You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's a Thursday edition, and we are heavy on the football talk today. We're going to look at the ESPN FPI rankings as they came out earlier this week, compare and contrast them to some of the other rankings that were released previously, and talk about whether or not you can depend on them. We're also going to preview the spring game a little bit, discuss five players that need to have a good performance in the spring game as they transition into the offseason and then into fall camp. Lastly, it is a mailbag Thursday. We're going to answer all your questions that you have, good, bad, and ugly. All that coming up here on today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast for Thursday, April 15th, 2021. another great day to be a Ute here on the Locked On Utes podcast, courtesy of the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you today by our good friends at rockauto.com. It's fitting that they're the title sponsor for today's episode because we got some things that we got to fix, y'all. ESPN, love them, hate them, follow them, ignore them. They, they, they are influencers in the wild of sports, and they released the FBI rankings for 2021. Again, that's the ESPN Football Power Index, and it was developed in 2013 as a way to measure team strength and predict game and season outcomes going forward. For the most part, I think the FBI does a pretty legitimate job with the predictions. Uh, the, the graphs that you see all the time on Twitter where something goes up to 98 and then all of a sudden it plunges to zero because some team comes out of nowhere to win, that's an FBI graph. So for the most part, I think that aspect of it is is pretty reliable, relatable, pretty solid. Uh, it is a predictive rating system designed to measure team strength and project team performance going forward. It's not to to rank teams one through twenty eight, but to correctly predict games and season outcomes. Uh, ESPN claims that if Vegas were ever to publish a power rankings that it uses to set its lines, they'd probably look a lot like FPI. That may be the truth, but the bottom line with Vegas is that Vegas is in this thing to make money, not to accurately project uh, where teams should be ranked. And so with that in mind, as we go to look at the College Football Power Index for 2021, there's a pretty obvious team in first place, obviously the Alabama Crimson Tide, projected to win 11 games uh, projected to win out at a 16% rate, uh, 63% chance to win their division, 50% chance to win the conference, which seems awful low, especially when you compare that to a 76% chance to make the playoffs, 50% chance to make the national championship. So they give Alabama a 51% chance to win their conference, but a 50.8% chance to make the national championship game. Anyways, as we go through this list, you'll see some other names. We'll give the top five, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Iowa State, which is, wow, projected to win almost 11 games, uh, projected to win out at 11%. 
uh, has a 100% chance of winning six games, which just in my mind with any kind of projection is, is wild. And the more that I talk about this, the more I'm starting to realize that I'm really just kind of undercutting any kind of value for FPI in terms of a ranking and that is probably the truth. It is not a great ranking system, as I mentioned earlier. But Ohio State rounds out the top five, top ten. Uh, Texas A&M, Georgia, Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, Penn State, number ten. Penn State, who had a miserable season last year, who is losing a bunch of key players, uh, is right there at number ten in, in terms of the highest projections. So, begs the question. First off, where do we find the first Pac-12 team? Well, it's number 17, and it's the Oregon Ducks, which in every other ranking system, the Ducks are all a top-10 team, and for good reason. They're returning one of the more impressive defensive units, and while they'll be replacing a starter at quarterback, that team is laden with talent, and they have a much-improved offensive coordinator in Joe Moorhead. Do the Ducks deserve to be at 17? No, absolutely not. Now, some of this might be the fact that they are coming from the Pac-12, and so their win projection is at a seemingly paltry 9.8. But the rest of their projections seem really high. A 99% chance of winning more than six games, 76% chance of winning their division, 46% chance of winning their conference. If you look at all the other teams in the top 10, there's only four other teams that have a better percent chance of winning their conference. So it does seem a little bit out of whack there. The next Pac-12 team that comes in, well, that's the USC Trojans at 26. Yeah, okay. So there are 25 teams that have better projections to have a better season than uh, USC. Kind of out outrageous. Next up from the Pac-12 is, is Arizona State. And then as we scroll down further, 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 here we find the University of Utah locking in at number 57. That's outrageous. The University of Utah has not been a 57-level program in years. And while the five-game shortened season in 2020 certainly didn't help the University of Utah's chances in terms of getting some better statistical analysis, I think the fact that you're returning as many starters from last year as you are, and they're all guys that have experienced game-time situations, it seems very out of character for the ESP and FBI to have the Utes ranked at that level. They're only a seven-win projection team, but at the same time projected at an 82% rate to win over six games. Uh, not projected by much to win the division, only an 8% opportunity and a 2.8% chance of making the championship game. That part of it may be more influencing more of the rating than it probably should. And there is some validity, I think, to the fact that the Pac-12 is going to be incredibly competitive this year, especially in the Southern Conference. Say what you will, Arizona State has talent. Say what you will, UCLA did improve last season. Say what you will, USC is still USC, and uh, I know, I know, I know, it's Clay Hilton, blah, 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 but they still manage to pull some things out every now and then that really make you scratch your head and wonder, you know, uh, why aren't you, either why aren't you better or why aren't you worse or why aren't you making changes? And so all that being equal, I want to propose that from here on out, we just ignore the FPI when it does anything close to rankings. And we focus squarely on SP+. SP+, was the Bible of the former Ute Zone block cast, uh, where Steve Bartle, myself, and Cameron Beck, those of you who, who found me 
through that. We'll remember how often we referred to SP Plus and the rankings there. For those of you who are new to the program, I am not a rankings guy. I'm not an analytics guy. But I do understand the the, the point and, and the purpose of a lot of those. And I've bought into the reasoning for SP Plus because it is one of the most sustainable and predictable uh, systems on the planet. It's, it's intended to be predictive and forward-facing because it's not a resume ranking that gives credit for uh, big wins or brave scheduling. Uh, it, it draws from a very long time period, which is why initially in the Pac-12, uh, SP Plus did not favor Utah at all. So I think a lot of Utah fans found it very displeasing. But as Utah's improved, it's been very favorable to the Utes. To the point where uh, Bill Connolly has Utah at 19 in his SP Plus rankings. And that's pretty darn good in my opinion. He has Oregon at 5, uh, Washington at 11, USC at 17, Arizona State at 18, obviously Utah at 19, and then the UCLA at 21. So, I mean, you count right there. That's 1, 2, 3, 4 uh, Pac-12 South teams in the top 25 there for SP Plus. That's a very stiff division. Uh, the reason that I like looking at that is because I think it's a much more focused ranking system in terms of what did you do last year and, and what do you do going forward. The best part about the SP Plus is that Bill brings it down in offense and defensive rankings. Everyone, I think, can admit that the offense was a big question mark in 2020, that a lot of it is still unresolved. Uh, the passing of Ty Jordan probably opens up even more questions as to how the offense really pro projects and how it will progress, although we will see Charlie Brewer on Saturday and, and maybe get a better handle for how good he can be. That offense from last year is ranked 35th overall in the SP Plus rankings. The defense, which Utah returns, which had a number of new starters, was ranked 10th overall. And so SP Plus is favoring Utah very heavily. And I think that given the transfer acquisitions, given a couple games to get things acclimated in terms of what Utah can do, there's a very good opportunity that they will climb that ranking ladder quickly next season as long as they stay according to plan. And there's no better person on the planet to keep a program moving according to plan than one headband, Kyle Whittingham. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you either go to the Utah Football Twitter page, their Instagram, Facebook, whatever your social media bag is. I, they probably posted it on YouTube as well. And watch the interview with Kyle Whittingham, a.k.a. Kyle Rambo. I promise you will not be disappointed. Just like how you feel when you go to order your parts from rockauto.com, you may feel like the Rambo of ordering auto parts or the Rambo of the do-it-yourself or try-it-yourself world. It's no secret how much we like rockauto.com, not just because they're a sponsor. It's because they get me great rates on my brake pads, and now we're replacing the back brakes on my car. And there were a couple issues, and it was so great to be able to go to rockauto.com to get the right part, get it here, get it all set up. If we hadn't been delayed by weather, my car would be back on the road right now. Thankfully, I don't have anywhere to go right now. Uh, as long as it's fixed by Saturday, I think we're all in good shape. should be taken care of by then. But the best part about it was it just came straight to my door. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to worry about anything like that. Easy to find all those parts. They list them all according to your vehicle, brand, specifications, prices that you prefer. You can select all that kind of stuff. Prices are always reliably low. It was without a doubt the cheapest uh, part pricing that I could find anywhere. 
I don't know why you'd want to go someplace else and spend twice as much for the same parts, especially when you have to go somewhere and waste your time. So just go to rockauto.com right now. Get the parts that you need that are available for your car or truck. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Uh, Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, they've got everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Remember, right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you rockauto.com. Back with more football talk here on the Locked On Utes podcast, courtesy of the Locked On Podcast Network. I wanted to preview a little bit about the spring game. We talked in yesterday's episode about five players to watch on offense and defense, five players that I'm going to be personally looking at. Uh, Cole Bagley also wrote articles on NudeZone.com regarding the five players that he was most excited about or that fans should be most excited about. Today, I wanted to talk about five players that need to have a strong spring game performance as they move into the fall football season. And a big reason for that is that you always want to carry momentum from last year into next year. Some of these guys, the reasons vary. Some of them are guys that are looking to earn a spot. Some of them are players that need to set some uh, some sort of establishment. Some of them are players who are in jeopardy of losing their position because there are players that are either maybe coming in through the transfer portal. But without further ado, let's get to that list. At number five, we're actually going to have a little bit of a shared position or a sharing of the fifth position here with Chris Curry and TJ Pledger. And I think both of these backs need to have a strong performance in the spring game in order to make up ground chasing Makai Bernard. And for those who are like Makai Bernard, he was like the second or the third string guy. Why is it? Bernard has always been a very highly regarded player. He was a highly regarded recruit coming to Utah. I think I've mentioned it quite often that he was only 17 years old when he got here. He played at a high school where they didn't really have an opportunity to use him to his full abilities. But he is an explosive athlete. He's at 205 pounds. He knows the system. He's an incredibly bright, hardworking running back. And he has the kind of athleticism and ability to where once he becomes RB1, he may never let go of that job. And for transfer players like Chris Curry and TJ Pledger, where they're already a little bit behind having not been here very long, trying to catch up for the system, having a strong spring game performance can really change the mind of the coaching staff, the players around them, and fans to get them more time, more uh, almost permission, I guess you could say, to continue learning the offense. I think... For players who maybe struggle in the day-to-day and the practice sessions and and the minutia, the mental minutia of football, if you come out and have a strong game day-like performance, that can erase a lot of the doubts that maybe coaches are having when they haven't seen you perform. I think that both Curry and Pledger have made a strong impact on the program already. I think that they are part of one of the more strong position groups on the team. With Ricky Parks coming in in the fall, there's going to be a lot of hands, and that makes every rep so much more important as you're getting down into the nitty-gritty in the spring game. So position number five, Chris Curry, TJ Pleasure sharing that one. Number four, Keaton Bills. Bills came to Utah as a very highly regarded, regarded recruit from Corner Canyon. He is an absolute meat castle of a human being, and what I mean by that is that he is built to lift and to move. He is a strong, agile, 
thick-bodied guy, and at times it has hindered his performance. But more than anything, where he's really struggled is in reading and recognizing what's happening in front of him so that he can make the correct play. The reason that Bills is here at number four is because towards the end of last year, Braden Daniels really stepped up and established himself as the more reliable option at that left guard position. If Bills is to have a chance going into the fall, he needs to make up some ground in this game and he needs to have a strong performance. Every rep is critical. You want to have as much depth as possible. For Bills, I think that this is an opportunity to really show that you've made progress. It's an opportunity to really show how bought in you are and that you are really capable of overcoming uh, Braden Daniels so that the coaching staff doesn't just lock him in for good going into the fall. You want to keep that competition open as long as humanly possible if you're Keaton Bills. Number three, Thomas Yasmeen. There is an incredible group of talented tight ends at the University of Utah. There have always been talented tight ends, but for whatever reason, that position had been a little bit snake-bitten until the emergence of Brant Keithy and Cole Fotheringham. Uh, Heavenly Fotheringham and, and... and the, the other Keithy, as he originally was called, he has now become the Keithy. Uh, Blake has kind of become the other Keithy, although he's started to make a lot of progress and he'll be an exciting guy to watch in the spring game. Uh, those guys at tight end have really established the position as something to watch at the University of Utah. Dalton Kincaid, the transfer from San Diego, will slot nicely into the position that Brant Keithy has kind of developed, that U-back uh, position. Some other programs call it an H-back. So Yasmin kind of becomes the lost player. And and part of it is that Yasmin comes to Utah having never played football before. He was Australian. He started to make some plays last year, started to show up a little bit more in some three and four tight end sets. Yasmin needs to have a really strong game, if for nothing else than to prove to himself that it is worthwhile to continue going after what he's going after. Utah has continued to recruit heavily at the tight end position. They will continue to do so. They are really committed to developing this into a very positive, productive group on the field. And I think that Thomas Yasmin having a good game, uh, whether it's you know playing that U-back position, whether it's him setting the edge at the, at the uh, TE1 position, Uh, outside of the tackle, whatever it is that they have him playing, for him to gain some confidence is going to be a crucial part as they spring forward into next year because the Utah has been very lucky, I think, to avoid critical injuries at a lot of positions, but this is the year where they've built enough depth to where they need to survive any kind of injuries and still be able to compete for a championship. Plus, I think Yasmin's clock is ticking. He really needs to get out on the field and and showcase his athleticism and prove his worth and prove why he is truly a talented player because while we've been able to see him in practice, there hasn't been a ton of uh, opportunity to see him on the field or in action. I think this spring game gives him a really good opportunity to just demonstrate how much progress he's made and how good a player he really is. Number two on my list is Viani Mawala. Moala returns to the Un- University of Utah as the one technique, the the lecky replacement at the nose tackle position there as Utah runs an even man front. So they have a one and a three technique, meaning a guy that's shaded kind of uh, closer to the guard or the center. Uh, and then the guy who's outside shade of the, of the opposite guard. Uh, his job is primarily to eat up blocks. And, and I thought Vianne Mawala did a decent job last year. He is a massive human being, not quite Lecky Foto massive, 
But he needs to really establish himself as the go-to guy at that position. Devin Kafusi has moved to defensive tackle. Junior Tafuna has moved to defensive tackle. Samisi Luwaki has returned. We have Tennessee Pututau at the defensive tackle position. Huati Pututau. Uh, Tanoa Tongiai is there. Uh, we have Simote Peppa returning from a mission. And so there is an absolute glut of talent on the interior Moala needs to prove that he's earned the right to start for another season. Otherwise, he's going to get passed by by the rest of the talent on this roster. And I'm, and I'm telling you, with guys like Tanoa Tongiai, who stands at 6'6", 3'10", and looks like a former basketball player, looks like the reincarnation of Luther Ellis, which is weird because Luther's actual reincarnation, Jonah, is on the roster now. Uh, he's really got a battle on his hands and he can't sit back and just rely on experience and previous performance to continue to earn that position. He really needs to fight and have a good showing. Number one on my list is Devon Vele. Vele is in a prime position to, to lock down the fourth receiver position. Utah will absolutely be dipping in the transfer portal to try and strengthen that wide receiver position. So it's very important that Vele establish himself as kind of a go-to guy more or less that he is he can be a contributing wide receiver we've heard the talk about how he is a very elite athlete in the red zone he has the ability to get up and get up quickly he's very tall has a very long frame but he needs to prove that he can be an every down guy so that when the transfer portal guys arrive he still has a position in that program That wraps up my list of five. If you have five players that you think need to have a good performance, be sure and let us know at LockedOnUtes on Twitter, LockedOnUtes at gmail.com, at BrownBearSLC, at Jacob C. Hatch. Feel free to always tag us. It's always fun to get those insights and responses from you, our listeners. We appreciate you listening and want you to be involved in the conversation with us. We're going to go ahead and get you even more involved in the program with mailbag segment. But first, we've got to talk about something, gang. It is Skittle season out there. There's not a whole lot of, of sports remaining as we get into the summer months. But, hey, who knows? The Olympics, hopefully still going on. The good news is that if you want to win some real gold to go along with the gold that USA is going to sweep over there, you can go to betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. As we've mentioned a million times, all the different sports that they cover, award shows, they'll cover anything for you. If you want to try and get your six-year-old's t-ball game on there, Hey, give them a call, see if they'll put a line on it. I don't know how morally strong that is, but hey, you know what? That That's not for me to answer. That's for you and, and betonline.ag to figure out. They've got you covered for all the new scores and odds, best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Just go to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code Locked On. Again, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bo- bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. It's mailbag day here on the Locked On Utes podcast, aka Twitter Thursday. Let's jump right into it. Our good friend at Cycling Ute, aka Mr. Participation Trophy, asks What are your best Utah related license plates? Uh, without going into too much detail, uh, my dad has a Jeep. And the Jeep has a plate on it that says Red Rocker. I always thought that one was pretty good. Whoever got the U of U plates that said 3431, that's a nice little throwback. Somebody at one point in time had the Block U and then a TAH by five, Utah by five, the old Bill Marcroft call. That's a pretty good one. Um, 
Uh, by position group, what's a good number of kids to have on scholarship? Bill said they had around 10 kids playing corner on scholarship. Does that seem like a lot? I think he's referring to Bill Riley here. Um, so that's that's where it gets kind of iffy. A lot of it depends on, on the type of system that you're running, the numbers in terms of year by year. So some cycles you're going to take more kids at a certain position just because there's more talent available. A few years ago, Utah took five or six at the, on the offensive line position, and so they've got kind of a, I don't want to say a glut of guys, but they've got a bunch of redshirt freshmen and sophomores at that position. Falcon Kamatule, uh, Luke Felix Fulalo, Maris Talavo, Satawa Almea was one that was part of that group, and we've already seen how well he's shown out. So that should give you an idea of why you kind of go heavy on some years at certain positions. Uh, so it just kind of depends. Ten corners on the roster at the University of Utah maybe sounds like a lot, but it probably isn't when you consider the fact that a lot of those guys are likely not going to make it all the way through the program, number one. Uh, number two, some of it is like Zamaya Vaughn. I don't think he's even on scholarship yet. He's a cornerback, so that one, that's one that you probably don't count so much. The other part of it, too, is that Utah kind of interchanges and intermixes a lot of those guys. So if you're not able to make it as a corner, you can kind of make it as a safety. But it, it's just it, that's also a position where you want to have some depth, I think, and some versatility, especially against the Pac-12 where there's so many different teams that run so many different systems, and you kind of have to mix and match with a variety of different offenses. So that might be one that we'll kind of break into maybe later on in the year simply or uh, in the summer simply because there's a lot that kind of goes into how you recruit and organize your roster. Um, you know, I, I remember that Washington State, for example, used to carry like 15 wide receivers, which sounds insane, but you think about it, if you're going five wide, that's only three, you know, three deep. Uh, our good friend at, at DT Osborne 11, what's the best food item at Ress? Meeting Rice Eccles Stadium. Hmm. I think I'll probably go with Cowboy Corn Dogs here with the Kittle Corner close second. I don't eat a lot at the uh, concessions when I'm there. If I'm at the game, usually I get to go sit up in the box or down on the sidelines. Um, but, yeah, in, in the past couple of years, I've actually been at the arena for 1280 doing production there. But, yeah, I, I you know what? I'm pretty confident in Cowboy Corn Dogs. If I'm wrong, feel free to correct me on Twitter because everybody does that with food takes. Um at you, Blender, what moves faster, Utah basketball hiring a staff and filling out its roster or continental drift? At this rate, we're probably going to be dead by the time both of them actually do happen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, it, we're only missing one position on the staff, so I feel like they've done a pretty good job of moving uh, at a decent pace to get a lot of that taken care of, Kern Walsh being the most latest announcement. Uh, getting David Jenkins and I think Gabe Manson helped to establish kind of your baseline. But it probably behooves you to take a little bit more time to work the portal and, and work that last staff position. I know that Utah fans all want Chris Burgess and they think that he's a slam dunk hire. I've been kind of more on Coach Smith's side of this. Like I don't want to work with a guy that I don't know. And that comes from somebody who's coached with people before. And it gets heated, and you've really got to have some trust factors there. I remember at halftime in one game when I was coaching, I went in and verbally kind of puked all over everybody on the coaching staff about how we're not running the football, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, blah, 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 blah. And finally, I took a breath, and everybody's like, you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. And it was because that staff knew me and knew how excited I would get and how I just needed to take and vent 
for a minute. So I, I, I can kind of understand where Craig Smith might want to take his time and maybe get to know somebody a little bit better before making that hire or know exactly what he needs to do in order of, in terms of filling out his roster. Um, that being said, like, I understand why fans want it done now. Like, like you just want it done now. Like, you want to know. We've all been sitting here for days. Like, you guys think it's tough being a fan. Like, I've had to record two weeks worth of podcasts where we haven't had massive breaking news after all the whole Larry K saga and everything like that, where it was every day the the, the storylines were being written for you. So I, I get it. Um, that being said, if I were building a staff, I would probably take my time as well. Uh, good question, though. That continental drift, man. It's nowhere near as fast as Tokyo drift. At Salt Lake Jake, a.k.a. Jake from Salt Lake, the legend, asks, is Sweet Caroline the best, most exciting song to sing at a football games and why? Jake is a fan of Sweet Caroline. I am not uh, a fan of singing that. I want my football songs to be brutal, to be angry. Uh, I would much rather sing something like... Uh, Oh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. I wonder if Coach Witt would like that. Probably. Uh, good friend at Utah Fly Fisherman. How much further am I going to drive the ball than Jay Wynn at the Utah Open? You always got to be careful with quarterbacks. They're usually sneaky good golfers. Also, shout out to the Utah Open. A big announcement for them that they're going to have uh, broadcasting there at the event at Soldier Hollow. Uh, well done, gentlemen. The Utah Twitter Open. The, I don't know if anybody else saw the guest list, but Kyle Whittingham going to be playing at the Utah Twitter Open with Britton Covey. That will definitely be an exciting group there. Good friend at uh, Red SLC1012 has a couple questions for us. Outside of Alex Smith, what player from another year would you put on this year's team? It's going to be a wide receiver, so my list would be like Kevin Dyson, who I think would be a really great fit with this system. Maybe a Steve Smith. Uh, uh, Darren Carrington, a very talented possession wide receiver, I think would be another one. There could probably be some arguments for Drez Anderson with his ability to really stretch the field. I understand the concerns with actually catching the ball, believe me. So uh, I, I just think a wide receiver is the one to go to. You could probably argue um, maybe a safety or a corner. I, I just I think there's a lot of talent there. I think they'll be okay. I just think that wide receiver is the one. And there's always the debate about maybe going for a left tackle. Like if you could just always have Jordan gross as your left tackle, I think you'd probably do that because it's such a luxury to have a guy who can protect the blind side and dominate in the run game. Like gross could. Mackay Bernard seemed to be a speed change up back, but he's put on some weight. Does that change his style? So from what we saw during the season, that's how he appears to be. He is absolutely in every down back. He's just kind of more of a slasher rather than the lower gravity power runners that Utah's used to. I think that this is the program trying to diversify a little bit as they've started to want to build those bigger backs. Devontae Booker was was really a pretty good-sized back, all things being considered for running back. I think he was 5'10", 5'11". Zach Moss, 5'9", Ty Jordan, 5'9". Uh, kind of got those more thicker, smaller backs. Uh, but I think that's it's good thing because he's he was very wiry, even at like 185, 190. He's got plenty of room for it, and where he's going to be more uh, versatile rather than just that one kind of slot guy like TJ Green. I, I think that's probably the one that people look at and think, oh no, don't turn into TJ Green. But he TJ just could never get on the field because there were so many guys in front of him. 
from what we saw in spring ball, that extra added weight that he put on really did help and benefit him a lot. He started to make some really good plays. Uh, so hopefully he does well at Liberty. I really, really am pulling for that kid, man. He's the best. Is there a more important in-state recruit than Lander Barton? That's a tough one to answer because I think in some respects he is the most important recruit because he's the highest rated recruit and he really would help to solidify the linebacking position for good. I think in some respects, if you get him, he's a Barton. Everybody just kind of assumes that's what you're supposed to do is get the Barton. But you're also beating out programs like LSU, Arizona State, Michigan, who have offered him, amongst others, uh, Oregon, SC, Texas, Washington, Virginia. Um, Yeah, I I think as of right now, he's probably the most important recruit uh, for Utah to land. I I do reserve the right to uh, amend that as the recruiting cycle changes and as we see things develop in terms of critical in-state recruits that maybe not be being talked about as much, uh, you know, by everyone as they need to be. Um, and, and a lot of it will depend on who you need to go head to head with in order to keep some of those recruits. Like, I don't think you're going to have to fight BYU off for Lander Barton. Uh, he doesn't even have an offer from him in theory. Um, so yeah, I think for right now, he's probably the most important one, but I, I do believe that that might change as the season goes on. Thanks to everybody who submitted a question. We really appreciate it. Always makes these shows a little bit more fun. Uh, really good group of questions. Give yourselves all a five-star rating for that. Well done. Send me your podcast links. I will rate you five stars and leave you a review and follow. Uh, as we close out, just a reminder, volleyball in action today at 8.30 p.m. They are playing Pittsburgh in Omaha in in their First appearance in the NCAA tournament for volleyball, meaning their first game of the 2021 tournament. Wishing Beth Lanier and her squad the best of luck. They, uh, they've fought through a lot this season, and they deserve uh, the opportunity to compete and show how good they really are. So good luck to them. We'll be back again tomorrow with more Utah athletics discussion. Thank you, as always, for following, sharing, rating, reviewing, all those good things that you do here for the Locked on Utes podcast. My name is Brian Brown. I have been your host. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for April 15th, 2021, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.